everybody, it's Microphones of Madness, I'm Rodney, over there is Steve. How you doing? And uh, it's Christmas time. And In Hollis, Queens. Uh, yep, and all over. And here too, so. It, we're, we're not going to quote I just did! From, uh, any more music from our generation, like pop Christmas songs, you know. I just quoted the Run DMC. I know, and that's that's it. That's all that needs to be quoted. Because it's marvelous Christmas time. Oh God. <laughs> uh. So it is Christmas time, and Christmas time at Microphones of Madness means Do they know it's Christmas? No. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. That covers all the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's see. What else you got? You got Tom Petty? Have you ever seen the faces of the children? They get so excited waking up on Christmas morning hours before the winter sun's ignited. Come on. You got to throw the who in there. Okay. All right. Now do the dead. Dead don't fuck with Christmas. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Christmas time at Microphones of Madness is filled with... uh, Ancient song references. And <laughs> ancient ghost stories. And and the Victorian tradition of the ghost stories on Christmas Eve. So we try to do a ghost story every year. This year we're doing two. Hey. Because um, we care about you. That's right. That's right. It's a twofer. Uh, this, this time around we are doing Tales of Moonlight and Rain by Ueda Akinari. This is a book of ghost stories and literary fiction from the grand year of 1776. And I believe, I was talking to Steve about this earlier this week, I believe this is the oldest piece of fiction we have covered so far. Very well could be. And we are going to be, uh, we read the translation of Anthony Chambers from back in 2007. Uh, Columbia University Press, if I recall correctly. Yes, it's very Columbia University Press. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite Columbia Pressy. All right, so, Steve, why don't you uh, introduce everybody to this fine collection of tales? Well, um, there's not really much to say, except it is an academic book. The, the, uh, the, The copy that we're working with is very... Very academic. So it is geared toward immersing you in the places, the names, the events that um, that put these stories in context, which is really cool um, if you are writing a dissertation about um, old Japanese ghost stories <laughs> or if you mine old Japanese ghost stories for role-playing um, fodder. So it's a cool book. It's a little pricey, but it's a really cool book to have. Or, um, or if you have supplementary material that you want to provide in a podcast format, uh, just in case. <laughs> I think we've covered all of our bases and reasons for reading this book so far. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, my dissertation is is coming. <laughs> Good. Will it be on uh, academia.edu? No, it would be on this podcast. Oh, it'll be on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Your academic. I'm actually going to talk, talk about how um, this influences The Mandalorian. <laughs> I was wondering when that joke was coming. <laughs> I, I knew it had to go from somewhere, you know, but but given, given the fact of what it is, um, you know, it does kind of influence that, that Japanese horror uh aesthetic that people also like to borrow into weird fiction it it totally does um well not only are several of these stories um very popular that i've read them before Mm. or versions of them right um the the notes put it so much in context that you come to realize if you like read it with the notes and everything that the um Japanese tradition of, of ghosts is deeply rooted in the metaphysics of Buddhism. 
and Shintoism and, and Shintoism and and, and Confucianism. Well, Confucianism doesn't really have or Confucianism. It, it, it pops up though in in various places. There's a big argument in the last story, which we're not going to cover because I thought it was kind of a boring story to be honest right. with you on poverty and wealth. Um, but yeah, so um, just how the metaphysics of the religions of Japan influence. Uh, just the the stories that are being told, right? And and not only is the book itself the edition that we read academic, the the original manuscript is actually an academic exercise rather than um how how a lot of people think of fiction in the modern era, where it is the um the story, the narrative, the characters. For for Akinari, the 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 pro, the practice of writing this story is an academic exercise. He is not only uh, displaying his knack for narrative and construction wise in a very no play fashion. He is also showing you how pretty much how well read he is. Uh, <laughs> it's true. And you could argue that some of this um, is uh, Genji fan fiction. <laughs> yes. Yep. You could you could argue that it's tale of Genji fan fiction. You can argue that that the um, Kaidan or encounter with supernatural narrative uh, is tell tertiary to Akinari displaying his knowledge of Confucian thought, uh, Buddhist thought, and varying. Poetic Chinese styles, history. Chinese history, Chinese literature, uh, because he was what um, we would call classically educated. Yes. If James Joyce were Japanese <laughs> and writing ghost stories, this is what you would get. Yeah, kind of, kind of. I, I, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head that is you know similar in the West, uh, because a lot of the folks who are classically educated uh, in the same time period, you know, are like Thomas Paine and Franklin and all these guys. And then you have um, shit. Uh, the guy that wrote Candide, the French guy, Voltaire, 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 Voltaire. would probably be the closest. I, I would come off the top of my head. To, I to can think it. of some like modern, um, and I'm going to drop the Gene Wolfe bomb mm. because Gene Wolfe does a lot of the same things that happen in this book in terms of um, referencing historic events, mm. um, his, you know, culture, culture of history. Um, he, he usually goes Greek or Roman. Well, the, um, the Westerners idea of the classical education is Greek and Roman. Right. Right. So. So it, it, you know, you could, you can like a, a book that I don't think you've read it, like Peace, um, or or a Soldier in the the Mist would would be, you know, comparable. Maybe not similar, similar, right. but comparable in right. terms of like, you know, something that you may have read as a modern person listening to this podcast. Uh, yeah, unless you're me, because. Much of my reading is almost identical to Akinari's. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Now, the the, the arguably great um, Hearn, Lafonardo Hearn, uh -huh. um, brought a lot of these stories to the West. Um, as a matter of fact, Kwaidan, which you had mentioned, is his. Um, uses the a lot of these stories as a basis for um, what, what he... Um, writes about, mm -hmm. which is where, where I'm familiar with a, a number of them. Or if not the exact same story, the same themes. Mm -hmm. There is a tendency um, in, in certain things coming out of China and Japan in my reading that um, the same stories are told over and over and the characters are changed up to, like, uh, for example, the the first story uh shiramine right uh, which is not on our list to discuss but I, I bring it up because because that that is the classic uh what's called an encounter dialogue uh in buddhism where you have 
a, a master and he goes up against uh you know either another master or a student or some other figure of of great learning in this type of moralistic and philosophical debate which is exactly what happens in Jeremy. Yeah, it's kind of like a Socratic dialogue. Mm -hmm. And um, and you see you <laughs> see it repeated a lot. Uh, with different characters, and it depends on the style of that character as to exactly how the debate transpires. Um, but yeah, I can see how. <laughs> Except in this one, he's like debating with the um, Buddhist equivalent of Doctor Doom. Right, right. He's he's the deposed Emperor Sutako uh, from the Tale of Kid, uh, and and it's uh, Saigu. He was a famous poet turned monk, and so you have that. So they. They start off in the medieval Japanese equivalent of a rap battle. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because haiku, or what haiku evolved from, hako, hako. Uh, was basically a rap battle, yep. more or less. And that's what they do. They compose lines of poetry to mm -hmm. each other. Right. They it's, it's like a linked verse sort of thing. And yeah. one, one poet starts with with a verse and then another one is supposed to respond right to so that now verse in a verse with a, when you when you were looking at this in your mind did you immediately go oh samurai champo champo uh, no not not quite <laughs> not quite it, but do you but, remember that episode where they had the guy who like he had his minions give him uh give him beats <laughs> Right, and he had a um, his the, the hilt of his samurai sword was a microphone. Was a microphone? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that episode, <laughs> and yeah, it, it it is a very very modern take on this type of practice. Um, yeah, and so Akinari is is kind of like sh showing off a little bit, um, because hey, there's there's only a few things you can do with a classical education. Uh, one of them is is right. It's kind of like getting an MFA, and they didn't have stand up comedy at that point. So right, right. Well, stand up comedy, I think, probably would have been uh, low culture to to them. Uh, Akinari is was it very, still is right. Akinari is very concerned about this distinction between the high culture and the low culture. Yes, and at this time, you also have. Um, the poet, oh shoot, he's one of my one of my favorites too, Buso, I believe, uh, who is elevating uh, the low quote unquote low poetry style into an art form. So, and Akinari is relatively contemporary with that because he was also a poet. You were expected if you were a writer back in the day, and I think this is true in the West as well, that you were expected to be able to kind of do it all. You know, you wrote prose, you wrote poetry, uh, he was also a painter, and this kind of uh, outcast literati type of guy who was just kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't belong to a school. He was kind of like, he was kind of like the uh, early modern Japanese equivalent of uh, a beatnik. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, I got the same education as you guys, but, you know, we're not going to do this whole, like formalized schools thing. I'm going to mix it all together and, and give you, give you something. Zen and the art of empire emperor shrine maintenance. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, now the two stories that we're going to look at today, uh, very different in, in tone and, and theme. Cause they're actual ghost stories. <laughs> right. Right. And they actually do have ghosts in them. Uh, one, being more traditional ghost story style than the other. Right. Uh, the first we're going to look at is the Chrysanthemum Vow. Uh, this is in book one. He's the Tales of it's Moonlight and Rain. Is, it's the second story. Yeah, it's separated into four books with one to two stories in each. And this is the second story uh, of, and the second story in book one. Kika no Shigiri. Yes, in in Japanese. The basic gist of this story is you have a a scholar, a Confucian scholar named Samon, who is he, he goes he goes to get a drink one day and he's sitting there paying his respects to the guy that owns the place because that's what you do when you're a gentleman and a scholar. 
is you go and it's like, oh, I'll especially have when you're a broke gentleman and scholar. right, right, and that's the other thing is this guy, this guy is a broke gentleman and scholar because there's only a few things you can do: you can teach, you can write. <laughs> well, they and they make great pains to let you know that um, he has no prospects, right? Because he has dedicated his life to being a scholar, right. He's dedicated. Um, his sister got married off to a, a somewhat well-to-do family, so she's taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and his mother live alone and depend on the kindness of strangers to get by. Right, right. His mother, his mother does do some things, but she's getting old. And Samon just kind of, uh, yeah, he's just kind of there. He's kind of that. That sh- he's a starving artist for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and. And you kind of see that a lot in these types of stories is you have the poor scholar. The, the, there's a, the, there's, yeah, there's a few in this collection. Yeah, he's knowledgeable, but he does, just doesn't. I mean, it's Japan. He's from a merchant class. The merchant class. He's not, he's not samurai. Right, so he's not being taken care of by his family. Right, and he doesn't have um, social standing to get a job in the bureaucracy. Right. Uh, so therefore, he's kind of poor, but he loves learning more than anything. Right, and he's visiting uh, this guy at uh, his restaurant slash inn, uh, having a drink, and he hears some. Actually, if, oh, if, go ahead. Sorry, if if Wes had played some of his characters a little bit straighter than he does, you would have a Wes character right here. Yes, this the Samon is a. The archetypal West character, except he has, except he has character. Ooh, <laughs> damn, that's cold. And our obligatory Wesley James Young reference. For there the you episode. go. Thank you, thank you. Merry Christmas, Wes. Congratulations on your new apartment. Uh, so Samon's sitting there, and he hears a racket from behind the wall, and he's like, "Ah, uh, 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 what's that noise?" <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Behind the your wall there. What's going on here? Go, dang it. Um to which the 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 bar owner, the the innkeeper responds, well, it, it tells him the story that a, a group of samurai uh had come by and one of them had taken ill. And he couldn't just throw him out in the street because, you know, Good people just don't do that. Uh, but it Plus doesn't a seem... a samurai, and if it, the samurai's clan ever found out... <laughs> right, right. And so he's got him there. He's He's got him quarantined because he's got a fever. And uh, and he doesn't want to let anybody in there. And Samon's like, oh, that's Balder Dash. Let me go take a look at him. And he goes in, he takes a look at him. He's able to ascertain what's going on. And then he medicines the shit out of him. He does. He just, like, gives him the right mixture of bile and 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 water and leeches and whatever they did back then. Right, uh, right. Herbal, prayed. probably some, like, herbal <laughs> concoctions he had. Herbal concoction, uh, uh, plumb line over his head and pray. Prayer. Right. And awesome. it works. I don't know what the plumb line's for, but... <laughs> Right. The, the plum wine is for the doctor. <laughs> um, so the, the, he does this treatment over some indeterminate period of time in days and it eventually works and it cures our, our samurai friend who wakes up and he's very appreciative. He's like, let, let me repay you. I'll, you know, do whatever you, you know, whatever it takes to, you know, repay your kindness, and he's like, "Ah, don't worry about it." You know, it's all in the day's work for a scholar. All in the day's work for a scholar. Tell me about yourself. Oh well, I happen to be a bit of a scholar too. You see, I have some knowledge of military texts. Now I was hired to. Is that what they call it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so at this point, we got to pause and say the notes, right? In this particular story, um, indi- well, more than hint, basically say that um, the chrysanthemum symbology um, would be a symbol of um, homosexual intercourse. Right, 
Right. So he's very appreciative. Mm-hmm. He is. And not only does do they do they become lovers, but they are also the best of friends because they share similar interests, they have similar backgrounds in education, uh, they have similar ideas and philosophy, obviously. And so this samurai comes to live with them, with Samon and his mother, for a time. Um, and they, the text itself translates it as they became bro- like brothers. Yes. And uh, older brother and younger brother, however, as Steve mentioned, uh, they were just a little bit more than that. I believe I also mentioned Socrates. <clears throat> yes. But yeah. Uh, but apparently... Uh, not a big deal. Right. Not 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 a big deal um, in this time and place. Right. Exactly. This is not like something that that Akinari has made up. Uh, it is. It's, it's uh, yeah, much there, more a- normalized than in the Western world of the same time period. Yeah. There's actually another story in this collection that goes a little bit deeper into um, that relationship and how an acceptable um, relationships between uh, master and apprentice, blah blah blah, that are um, assumed to have um, homosexual tendencies as well. Mm-hmm. Or, so but I mean, really, the, really, in this in this kind of cultural acceptance of it, it's just sexual. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, it's when was this published? Which is a uh, the like, book itself was published in 1776 originally. No, no, our our, our copy. 2007. Okay, because it's the notes that you have to, uh, you know, talking about as opposed to the text. Right, right, because this thing was, these types of relationships were so normal that they didn't even really mention them. Yeah, it, 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 the, the text doesn't, like, allude to it. It doesn't, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, anything like that. It just, like, goes on. Right. And, um, and, and it's actually... Uh, actually go sorry. ahead. Go, go ahead. Oh, it's actually in the, the notes mm-hmm. um, prior to the story where um, it kind of lets you know... Right. What's, right. What, what, it, what it means. I, I assume that uh, given the language used... Um, that contemporary contemporaries of Akinari uh, would like get it right away. Yeah. Would, would understand what the, mm-hmm. the nature of these two characters and their closeness, because right. they are very close. And I think that's the point of the, of the story and what happens isn't the fact that they're lovers. It's that they're close. Mm. Right. Well, they have that, that type of relationship, the type right. of relationship that we consider to be, extraordinarily romantic that 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 type of togetherness that that it's makes you intimacy. Kinda, intimacy intimacy um you know just just you know two two souls as one sort of thing um so our samurai whose name i've forgotten because i wrote it in a different set of notes oh um the samurai is uh somon no samon so- is no, it's Samon and Soamon. Soamon. Right. Yeah, so good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot one to do. Well, that. they they refer to him by his family name throughout the Right, and his family name is Akana. Akana, thank you. Uh so Akana gets to a point where he's like, you know, I I really like being here. I, I you know I like being with you, Samon. I love your mother. She's like my mother. Um, but I got some business. But, yeah, I, I had a job. I came out here trying to do a job. I have to try to finish this job. Um, so I have, I'm have. i going to go down, and it's uh, getting toward, you know, it's like spring. He's talking about the cherry blossoms getting ready to fall. It's actually at the time of the Chrysanthemum Festival. I thought he left when the cherry blossoms were about to happen, and he promised to be back for the chrysanthemum. Maybe that's it. Because where where he was going, it is said that the cherry blossoms were very beautiful this time of year. Uh, I thought he was like uh, going for a year, and I'll be back in a year. No, that's uh, that's the guy in uh, the weed, the reed choked house. Is <laughs> supposed to be back in a year. 
I can, uh, shit, I forgot his name again. Akana uh, voyages off to not only look at the cherry blossoms, but to complete his mission and promises Samon that he will be back for the Chrysanthemum Festival, uh, which is, uh, I believe the notes say it's the ninth day of the ninth month. So it's like the end of autumn. Right. When the, when the chrysanthemums bloom. So maybe a little, you know, maybe October, November, something like that. Um, no, he, he says, yeah, he'll be, I shall return before the end of autumn. On what day of autumn shall I expect you? I beg you to appoint the time. Let us decide then that the Chrysanthemum Festival, the ninth, the ninth day of the ninth month, shall be the day of my return. Right. And and Samon's like, I'll be there with uh, flowers and booze, baby. Yes. A, a sprig of chrysanthemum and some poor wine. <laughs> because, very humble, he's not going to presume that he's buying the best. Right. So, Akana goes, and... Well, he's, he's got he's got yeah. like a little bit of drama happening in his backstory. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But uh, we find out we find out later what the, what that drama is. I mean, he's got you know various drama between lords going on, which is what caused him to travel through this town in the first place. Right. Uh, but there's also some drama going on within his own clan, his own family. Right. Uh, so Akana gets back quote-unquote home and our our hero Samon is 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 waiting he goes about his daily business uh, of of slacking and reading slacking and reading <laughs> reading and slacking because he is kind of he's a layabout scholar and and beating up the mentally ill at night uh in a in a costume that looks like a bat uh but as the chrysanthemum festival draws ever closer Samon is getting more and more excited at Akana's return. The prospect of Akana's return. Um, his mother is too. Is you know Samon's mother also very excited? She wants to see him. Well, uh, that and I think I think uh, Samon is a little bit less of a of a slacker when when Akana's about. Yeah, he's out there. He's out there cooking. He's cleaning. He gets more done. Right, right. But I think she also likes Akana and and. I'm sure Akana came with his own money. That's true. True as well. I mean, you know, and it's it's one of those things that money is is crude and and uncouth to consider. But you know, you know, Akana was footing the bills while he lived with. Him. Yeah, yeah. Akana had a you know if you if you look at what's going on with him, he you know is up in the shit, right? <laughs> the, of the time period, right? Right. I mean, he's he's he's. Not only is he a samurai, but he is an educated samurai, uh, ready to take on a position in in the bureaucracy. And he has one, and all, uh, the shit goes down. Right. He's a military advisor. So he gets pawned off to um, to another daimyo to advise, <laughs> and uh, that daimyo loses his position <laughs> to to a rival. Right. And uh, his clan decides that they're going to, uh, you know, back the winning horse. Right. They back the winning horse. And Samon is sitting there. The the day, appointed day comes. The appointed day comes. And Samon is rushing around. He sells off every pretty much everything he's got. He pawns everything to scrape up enough money to, to go down to the fishmonger and buy the best fish. To go down to the the wine house and buy the best sake, even though he told he promised it was poor sake, um, and brought brings it back to the house to prepare this this kind of extravagant meal for Akani as he comes by as he comes, and apparently their house is very near the road, the main road, and he's out there waiting and just watching every person. As Every time somebody in. walks by, he kind of like perks up and then, oh, it's not him. Oh, it's not him. It's not him. And the mother's like, well, he didn't say he would be here like on the first day. You know, relax. He's like, no, no, it's going to be the first day. I know it. It's going to be the first day. Well, you can keep thinking that I'm going to go to bed. So she heads off to bed. And while 
Samon is sitting there uh, alone in the dark. Uh, comes a visitor to his door. It is Akani. Uh, and and Akana. Akana and Samon rushes about putting things in order. I didn't think you were coming. You know, I was beginning to think all hope was lost. And Akana is just kind of quiet. And he's like, let me make you your dinner. And he rushes to the kitchen and makes the dinner. Heats up the sake, brings it out. You know, lays out this extravagant meal. And Akana just kind of like covers his face with his sleeve. Like, oh, oh, uh, I can't eat it. Which turns around and makes Samon think he's insulted by what he was offered. But as it turns out. Oh, that, is that my cue? That's your cue. <laughs> oh. So um, Akana, once he got back and decided that he wasn't he he wasn't going to uh, to um, spoil his honor the way his cousin did, uh, gets thrown in jail. Right. <laughs> he gets locked up because he can't. Um, you know. He right. He doesn't want to back the winning horse. He he wants. You know. He he to him honor and duty is more important than than survival. Right, so they kind of put him under house arrest. Right. Finally, when he wants to leave, they they lock him up. He's he's like he can't go anywhere. Right. But he has he has this uh, appointment to keep. It's what 150 miles, 125 uh, miles away. Yeah, something like that. It's it's far away, and he ain't making it. Right. Well, so, there is one way. There is one way to make it. So he uh, takes his own life and sends his spirit back. To uh, to Salmon for their appointment, mm-hmm. and so Salmon is uh, visited not by Akana himself, but um, by Akana's spirit, as it's uh, right, right, Pro- possibly the most pure manifestation of Akana. Still, it's kind of uh, you know tear jerky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that that that. His his promise was that important to him that he took his own life just to do this one last thing. Yeah, and it's very uh, very reminiscent of the passage in the Hagakure, uh, where you know the way the way of the samurai uh, is one of immediacy. Uh, though his head were cut off, he should still be able to perform one action with certainty. And and so you you get that in a very literal sense in in Akana falling upon his own sword, as he puts it, so his spirit can be free to fulfill his obligation. Yeah, which he does, and it, it's sadly because he's dead and on his way to the uh, the afterlife, uh, and possibly you know into the next life that his his visit is very brief, and of course. Being a ghost, he can't eat, um, and can't eat, can't drink, and basically, he, all he can do is just be visible and, and right. speak briefly with Semon. And he's very sad about that. So it's it's very very somber, uh, as you said, very tear jerky. Uh, how they do that because you know it's like in keeping his promise, Akana. A Make sure that they can never see each other again. Right. After that. And that's pretty much... And that's not where the story ends. But wait. There's more. But wait, there's more. Now, in in the classic weird tale sort of story, right? In the classic ghost story, uh, that would be where it ends. With That's with actually where it ends. The house. That is where it ends in the Hearn version of the story. Right. Get like that. Because I think that... Like that's like the the point of emotional impact, right? But I would say there's a second point of emotional impact because Samon, after discovering what happened, because because Akana was able to tell him the full story, right? Uh, he packs up and says, "Mom, I gotta go. I got something to do." What <laughs> you? <laughs> right, and and she's like, "Oh, okay. You know, do what you can to." You know, he does what he can to make sure she's comfortable. You know, makes arrangements and stuff. She does have a a well-off sister. Yeah, and she has a bit of a job on her own. She does odd jobs. Um, 
And he's like, okay, well, I'll be back as soon as I can. And he goes off to Akana's hometown, or where Akana was when, when he died. And he just rolls up on Akana's brother. Gangster. He just, he's like knocking on the door, and he's like, look, I want to talk to Akana's brother's, uh, Akana's brother right now. That would be uh, Sunchisa. Sunchisa. Uh, Sunchisa better get his ass oh, no, out here. Sun, Sun, sorry, Sunchisa. Uh, I think Sunchisa might be the the uh, daimyo, the yeah. new daimyo. Yeah. Sorry. Well, ignore what I said. Either way, it's it's Akana's brother, right? And he's like, "Look, you are a motherfucker," <laughs> and and gives and and Samon gives him a piece of his mind. He te- he tells him that. You know, what you've done is dishonorable. It's against the teachings of, of this. I mean, it's bad philosophy. It was bad, impractical, and then kills his ass and walks off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he like, calls him, a, more or less calls him a, a, a greedy bastard. Yeah. Uh, he says, you, sir, seeking favor with a mako have tormented your own king and caused his unnatural death. This is... To lack the sincerity of a friend. Sunisha forced him to stay here, but you had remembered your long-standing friend. But if you had remembered your long-standing friendship, you would secretly have shown the utter sincerity of Zuo with Shang Yang. Instead, you were driven by wealth and fame. This differs from the way of a samurai house and must be the way of the house of Amako as well. <laughs> I mean, he lays into him. He goes all like, like, not even the Chinese do this shit. <laughs> right, right. Like, you know, if you were a guy that was worth a shit, you know, and, and basically that's what he does. He rolls up in this guy's house and tells him he's a piece of shit and then shanks him. <laughs> and then leaves. <laughs> and that's where the story ends, is with was is with Samon walking off into the sunset. Right. Well, and then um the last thing it said is that the Dabio hears about this mm. and is so moved by the friendship and the loyalty that he doesn't pursue God getting it. Right, right. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't well, send and no no well, that was a clean kill there, buddy. The unwritten thing of that is like, well, if this guy turned on his former lord for you for money and wealth, what's to stop him from doing it again? Right. So in a way, he just got done a favor. Right. Right, and he left witnesses to to relay the story to the daimyo. Yeah, and the, the daimyo so moved by by their friend Akana and uh, Samon's friendship that he came up being a man of a lesser social class, stalks into the home, tells him off, you know, reminds him of what honor is, and then kills him. He's like, you know what? That's a dude. I'm like, I'm letting that go. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna let that slide. That was that was clean, and then and then the uh, you know uh, Toroshiro Mifune walks off into the sunset, and that was the chrysanthemum vow. <laughs> so just remember, not all ghostly encounters need be frightening. Sometimes they set off a quest for revenge. That's right. In this ancient retelling of ghost, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess kind of. I mean, there could have been a pottery scene in this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, like and like a montage. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, they did live together for a while. They had to do stuff. Right. They they sat up for hours and hours talking about all the books they've read. And, oh, you actually do know your shit about military texts. <laughs> I, I really enjoy this story. Yeah, this, this is a, a great story because... Because it does, it does kind of flip flop between this kind of like, you know, story of friendship, brotherhood, true love, into this kind of like creepy supernatural thing, and then into a, a vengeance. I mean, there's no other way to describe what Samon does after he is visited by well, the ghost of Akana as nothing but right. Revenge. But it it also like kind of um, wakes uh, Samon up. Yeah, from being like a, lay- a layabout scholar yeah. to like a man of action. Mm-hmm. 
um, who can who now can be, you know, a member of society. Right, and and obviously fairly good with a sword. If well, you he know, just you strikes gotta, down the guy with one blow. Got to pick that shit up somewhere. Yeah. Sleeping with a samurai for a little while probably didn't hurt either. Yeah, teach me your teach me your techniques. Exactly. Next up is the Kibitsu Cauldron. Another story of revenge. Yes, and ghosts. And ghosts. Now, this one is weird because it's 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 kind of somber because it's fucked up from the beginning. Yeah, this is definitely a uh, kind of a cautionary tale. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, you know, just act act right. Um, we have a, a young man from from a decent family, I guess, or a moderate family. Of uh, yeah, it kind of looks like they at one point they were um, um, they were better off than they are now. Mm-hmm. Not like totally crumbled, but um, a family that has seen better, better, better days. Better days. You know, the the old estate is not exactly in the condition that it yeah. once was. Yes. Um, and the son is uh, becomes of marrying age, and they say, you know what, we need to get this kid married. You know, uh, join up with another family, and then we'll be a little bit better off. That'd be a uh, Shotaro, right? Shotaro. Shotaro. Uh, and so the matchmakers and, and whatnot, they they find the perfect lady for him. She is the daughter of a local priest. Yes. That would be uh, Isora. Isora. And she is like like very proper. She is the the model of of a lady. Yes. They they, they make her out to she's beautiful, she's well well mannered. She's kind, um, um, and yeah, that's that's the way it goes. And there is a, a ritual. The Kibitsu Cauldron uh, refers to this ritual where a rice pot, a rice cauldron, uh, is put placed over a fire of pine needle. And as the cauldron heats up in, in the rice, uh, the sound that it makes... Uh, is symbolic of either good fortune or misfortune. Right. In this case, the sound the cauldron makes uh, is one of misfortune. Blaring misfortune. Yes. And the family decides to go ahead with the, the, the wedding anyway because, you know... Because they got to get this guy married off. Right. And, and <laughs> you know, and the, the excuse is, you know, these these, cauld- these these types of portents aren't it's always quaint. accurate. It's a quaint little thing, right. but it really it doesn't mean thing. anything. Right, right. I mean, you know, it doesn't actually sell us what our misfortune could be. We could get married and just have a bad harvest or, or something like that. Right. But it turns out our... So that's how it always works out, right? Right. <laughs> uh, it turns out that our, our young friend is a bit of a bit of a rogue and a, and a rupscallion. Yes. Uh, and he has... A, a Lothario. Oh, and he has met a uh, prostitute. By the name of Sode, and Sode is having a bit of a rough time, and our Lothario is is a bit of an honorable sort of guy. Well, here's the thing: in, in a weird sort of way. <laughs> here's the thing: in the notes, um, it talks about how it's actually very common practice if you have the means to have mistresses, right? Uh, but wife comes first, right? And the wife is expected, if she's not treated like shit in, in, by this whole situation, to uh, put up with it. Right. Um, as long as she knows that, you know, he's really, I'm really his number one. So that, that's kind of like the backstory on this. Right. And um, unfortunately, this guy fucks up because he decides, like you said, he really is in love with the prostitute. Right. And not his wife. Right. So when when Sode falls on hard times, um, uh, Shotaro decides that he wants to take care of her mm-hmm. as if she were actually his wife instead of his side piece. Right. And so he says, well, you know, he goes to his actual wife 
uh, saintly woman that she is. Long-suffering. Long-suffering, uh, because he spends more and more and more time with Sode, and, and kind of neglects her. Yeah. And goes to her, and he's like, look, you know, I know you know about Sode. Um, she's, she's fallen on some hard times. Um, if I can get her to the capital... Uh, she has family there. I can get her set up, and then I'll come right back here. And it's just you and me from now on, baby. Yeah. And you, mean, you know, you're really the one for me. But I gotta, I gotta like take care of. Yeah, I gotta take of care her. Of what kind of man would I be if I didn't take care of this? You know, you have to, you know, let me take care of this. By the way, can I, can I borrow some money? Yeah. Because yeah. apparently, he doesn't have money. Right. But her family does. Right. And what was her name again? Uh, Isora. Isora is a saintly woman. And being the daughter of a priest, she's like, yes, I, I will. I will help you. I will give you what money I have, um, you know, on your word that you're going to take her to the capital um, and then come back to me. Here you go. I trust you. And our Lothario's whole plan was to ask for that money, take it, and run off with, with Soda. Set himself up in the capital. Set himself up in the capital and never return. Yep. Um, you know, it was like, to hell with your family, to hell with your family. Fuck you, I'm going to Kyoto. Right. We're, we're off. <laughs> and we out. Yeah. Um, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, fuck you, I'm out. However, as as things take it, they don't quite get to the capital. They get to a a smaller town somewhere near the capital. And Sode takes ill. So she just happens to have a cousin in this town. That would be um, Hikaroko. Hikaroko. Hikaroku. Hikaroku. Who is stand-up guy in his own right. And he says, "You know what? Yeah, that's my cousin. You're her husband. Come on in. You, you know, can stay with us. She can get better. In fact, hell, I live here by myself. You guys can live with me, and we'll go into business together. We'll do all this <laughs> stuff. We'll be our proper family. You, me, and Sode. Welcome to Hikaroku's Crack Emporium. That's right. <laughs> we don't know what Hikaroku does for a living." But apparently he makes some kind of a living. Yes. Um, Sode eventually uh, succumbs to her illness. Yes. Because this is, you know, there's there's not... They, Samon is not around to fix this, unfortunately. Right. He walks and, through... Uh, he comes through this town on the run from... Uh, right. Well, Shitaro, <laughs> you know, he... he I don't think he is emotionally capable of caring for another human being. Right, right. And because he goes out, you know, he's just kind of off doing his own thing well, the whole time. And then there's also the the suggestion that this illness of Sode isn't quite um, of natural origin. Right. Because prior to Sode taking ill, our saintly wife back at home takes ill and wastes away. Once she realizes that her scumbag husband ain't coming back, right, right. Once she realizes that that she just got she got jacked, she got lied to, she just she can't take it, and instead of taking her own life, she she really just kind of falls ill and wastes away. Wastes away. It, 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 you know, it's it's a very common thing in these books, in these stories. Right, a wasting illness. Right. Um. You know, but you die of a broken heart, more or, right. or less. Right. Right. And so our Lothario is continuing to go about his own business. Sode ends up dying, and he doesn't think anything of it. And suddenly, uh, he he's sitting around, and you know he's he's buried her. He's attending the grave every day because he's like, "Holy shit, I've done fucked up." Right. Um, you know, I can't go back home because I screwed all of them over so badly. Right. So all I can really do is is try to make amends by, <laughs> you know, maintaining the grave of this woman. Right. It's it's kind of like um, 
it's kind of like going to a Narcotics Anonymous meeting at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and you just like listen to like some guy talking about the fucking shit mess he made of his life and like how like horrible that like he treated everybody around him and he's like I really want to like do something about it but I like fucked everything so horribly that I can't right right exactly <laughs> uh, one day while he's tending to Sode's grave uh, he meets another woman who is attending to a grave right next to it that just kind of appeared one day uh, while he wasn't looking because you know he's not the smartest guy uh, yeah, I don't think he is um, going to be exchanging bon mot right. with uh, the characters of the previous story. Right, right. Now, he asks, inquires about who the grave is, and he's like, oh, it's my lord. Uh, I'm maintaining the grave because my mistress is has fallen ill and she can't make it, so I have, I'm have i doing this for her. And being a Lothario... Right. Miss Lord, did you say? Did you say? Did you say mistress? Did you say? Did you say widow? <laughs> Rich widow, you said? Perhaps I should go and call upon her so that we may commiserate together and pass <laughs> through her illness. Because my, my wife and prostitute just ended up dying. Right. I, I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. I'm a man. You're a woman. You're rich. I'm not. I'm a man. I'm I a do. man. I do. Uh, I'm a guy. Right. It's, I, it's the Ash Williams. I can I can comfort you in any way you require because I am unattached. Mistress, and you can comfort sick, me in ways that I require. Mistress, did you say sick mistress? Sick wealthy mistress? And he's he, like, yes, he jumps I. On that. Right, and he jumps on it. It's like it's like a fish on a hook. Yeah. Uh, so she says, "Yeah, our our estate is over by the edge of this this field. Uh, please go and, and and visit her." And so he does. He you know he spruces himself up a little bit, kind of struts over there, kneels down. Uh, the lady of the house is laying on her futon. She's got a screen, you know, in he the way. Puts on his best top knot. Puts on his best top knot. Sprays himself down with Axe body spray. <laughs> Axu! And uh, heads on over uh, to get his dirty, rotten scoundrels on. And as he's sitting there, and he's sitting, he put, he's pours on the charm. He's, you know, in, in, his, in that best kind of, like, slippery, serpentine sincerity. And no charge for the alliteration. Okay. I, I wasn't going to charge it. I there wasn't right. going to, like... We're cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's sitting there and he's like, you know, I, I hear your husband just died. I have recently lost my beloved wife. Um, perhaps we should, being that our losses are so near together, we can commiserate each other and share in each other's sympathy. And the screen pulls back and it's like, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> and the, they have like the greatest illustration for that too because that moment is the, the story illustration right <laughs> it's just awesome because <laughs> like <laughs> you have him like with his hand <gasps> like over his face the servant kneeling over there and then behind the screen is like ah <laughs> right and behind the screen is the wrathful spirit of his actual wife, his first wife, who right. who he screwed over so bad. Yes. And, yeah, she basically, she pushes back the screen and has her, like, surprise, motherfucker, and, <laughs> and, and tells him, I'm coming to get your ass. Right. And, and then he, it becomes full grudge. <laughs> right. And he runs away screaming across the field. He goes back to his adopted uh, brother-in-law or cousin-in-law. And he's like, you know what you need? You know, there's a yin-yang man down the road. Yeah, you gotta go through the confusion. Uh, he's, uh, that, that, he would actually be a Taoist priest. Sorry, right, you're right. Um, <laughs> you need to go down to the yin-yang man, which is almost kind of like saying the juju lady. 
Right. Uh, and get the yourself quack. some charms. <laughs> go, go to the quack. Right. And get yourself some charms. And then come back here. And he goes down to the yin-yang man. The yin-yang man says, oh, son, you are fucked. You are fucked six ways to Sunday. You're going to do this. So yeah. what he does is he, like, <laughs> makes the guy take his shirt off and, and, and writes all the holy symbols and words on his back, his shoulders, his arms, his neck. All right, put your shirt back on. Hastily scribbles out some magic charms and says, put this shit on every door. Every window, crack. every crack, <laughs> every mouse hole. <laughs> it's and, actually and, and, and kind of there. like what I would do if somebody had rats. Right. I would tell them, well, you have to plug all the holes in your house. Right. <laughs> Except you don't give them magic charms. I just, I give them um, traps. Yeah, tra- traps and, and poison. Right. But it's, a, but it's the same principle. Right. Because. This lady is coming to kill your ass. Yes. And you have to do it every night. Right. For, what was it, 42 it's, days or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like the amount of time between somebody's burial and when their spirit goes off to the next uh to the next life, right? There's it's whatever that time period is, right? Is that there's a there's a grace period there, um, yeah. So he goes, he goes home, locks his doors, slaps those charms up everywhere, right? Right. And now, now this is the cool part. Uh, if that wasn't cool before, like right. the big reveal and everything, this is really cool because he's laying there at night and he can hear her, right? Outside trying to get in. Goddamn charms. <laughs> exactly and she's like Kristen is foiled again but like she's scratching at every little minuscule opening right trying to get in and it's like a light like flame you know he hears her like stomping around on the damn roof trying to get in there and and he's not sleeping because he can't sleep at night how can you right. how can you when you know like murder ghost is coming to get you right and it's like, and you're, you go, you know, you got paper screen doors and shit, and you see the damn light down the hall, and you know, trying to open the door, and it's like, God damn it, charms, I'm gonna get you, motherfucker. But it's a good thing that you know, the ghost running around muttering under under its breath. <laughs> so this lasts for it is forty two nights, right? Uh, for forty two nights, and then on the last night, he done fucks up. Right. But it's not his fault, because she done tricks him. Right. She tricks his ass, because the, the, the apartment where he lives is like shares a wall with his cousin. And, you know, they've been communicating at night because he can't leave for the 42 days. But it doesn't say he can't, like, talk to people through the wall and stuff. So he's right. been, like, chit-chatting back and forth. And he's like, oh, this shit's horrible, man. She sucks. Uh, tonight's really bad, man. Yeah, this, this is the last night. He's like, you know what, man? The sun's going to be up shortly. Me and you, we're going to go crack a beer and, and, and party down. Because this will be, you, you survived it. You survived it. So, yeah, let's let's do that. And he's like, all right, all right. Um, and then, basically, he gets tricked. He, uh, he goes out the door thinking that it's the sun is up. But he goes out and he realizes it's still fucking dark. Well, yeah, his his his, his uh, prostitute's brother is like he's not the brightest guy in the world either. He's like, ah, oh, it's the last night. Come on over. What 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 could possibly go wrong? Right, right. <laughs> We're gonna crack open a cold one and uh, get drunk, play some cards or something. I mean, he actually says that. He says, uh, "Get up, I shall step outside." Uh, Hikoroku, being a rash and thoughtless man, replied. What could happen now? Come over here. Right. So he opens the door and wham! Oh, as soon as he opens the door, it's just like, once again, surprise, motherfucker! <laughs> he gets enough time to look up and realize that it's still nighttime. Yeah. And then he gets ganked. And he then, gets ganked. And then, but the best is, Hikoroku hears what's going on and comes over. <laughs> right he's like what's up man what's going on and he goes in there and there's like a splatter of blood on the wall and yeah, no body 
Yeah, it's just like nothing. He got dragged to to that the hell for. There's probably a very specific hell for what he did. Oh yeah, and that's where he went. Yep. And the end. Yeah. But of of the two, I think you know I like the chrysanthemum vow, uh, but I think I like this one a little bit better just because you know it is like you know this guy is such a bag of shit, and he gets his. They're different uh, types of stories. Right. They're completely different types of stories. The first one, the supernatural, the ghost part of it, kind of spurs somebody to become better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it of itself is a bittersweet thing. Right. Um, and in this one, it's just pure, like, this guy is a bag of shit and gets exactly what he deserves and suffers a lot right because of it because not only does he get dragged to hell but he spends 42 days and nights locked in his like little hovel <laughs> listening to his ex-wife's spirit uh clawing at the walls to get to him clawing at the walls and muttering under her breath about what she's gonna do to this guy when she gets in there i'm gonna rip out a spleen <laughs> <laughs> and you know because because like it, you know, she was like all red faced, yeah, with black black teeth and fangs and like wild hair and just, yep. You know, it was like, it was like ah, that's right. Angry Japanese ghosts with nothing to be fucked with. Yep, yep. They all have the the blood face, face red as blood, and yeah, he just like his fundoshi must have been uh, pretty ripe. I'm sure. Yeah. All right, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, two for the price of one ghost stories. Merry Christmas. That's right. Happy holidays. I know Hanukkah will be going on as well, so happy Hanukkah yeah. Eve. Well, thank you. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what you celebrate, to be honest. Uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys have a tree, so. Happy winter thing. Winter, right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Definitely not, not, it's too late for the Chrysanthemum Festival. So we'll call it the, the Freeze Ev- Your Ass Off Festival. The Evergreen Festival. Uh, let's just call it the Freeze Your Ass Off Festival. Okay. Because it is that time of year. <laughs> All right. Sense. So there it is Tales of Moonlight and Rain, Ueda Akinari, uh, from way back in 1776. Back when I was writing ghost stories. Back when I was writing ghost stories, we had ghost stories that would come and get your ass. That's right. And, and uh, <laughs> yell at you and mutter amongst themselves when you try to use your damn exorcism shit. It's actually, it's funny because I've, I've read, there's a, a another story that's a, also a Hearn story um, that has a very similar, uh, the setup isn't quite the same, but the end is the same. Right. It, it's not a guy who cheats on his wife kind of thing. Um, it's more of... A like a ghost or something just takes a liking to this guy, right? And marks him, and but it's a similar thing. He has to um, lock himself off in his uh, in his rooms, stuff up all the cracks with uh, with parchment, you know, parchment with uh, magic on it, mm-hmm. and uh, then the very last minute he fucks up, right? So I just bring it up because. Like a, it seems to me that it's like maybe not the specifics, but the the kind of story it is seems like it's also another archetypal story of right. of a uh, you know Japanese right like ghost com- common tropes to right to create a variation on the theme exactly. All right, so yeah, if you guys can come across a copy of this, uh, please do so. Check your libraries, check your bookstores. Uh, once again, we used the 2007 Anthony Chambers translation uh, from Columbia University Press, although there are yes. some other translations available. Probably cheaper. Yeah. And there you go. So until next time. Keep 30 luck points. And and stuff your holes with charms. Because you keep your 30 luck points, right? Right. You, 
you die and you could send your spirit out 125 miles to meet your your lover. That's right. Like your chrysanthemum festival. That's right. Or at least have 10 points to spend on resourceful talent to have those charms handy. Yeah. All right. So get get your ass to the yin yang man. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, motherfucker. Yeah.